Welcome to the aggressive life. Dirt, I'm really excited about today. I'm so excited about today. I am so excited Over about today. Like, when am I not excited? You're usually excited. Oh, sometimes I even say I'm excited, and then we eliminate the episode because it's so <laughs> it bad. Ends up not being good. Yeah, right at all. So anyway, this is uh, this is going to be really, really fun. The backyard of a home in the little town of Fort Wayne, Alabama. Middle school kid used PVC pipe and bungee cords to create field goal posts on top of his soccer goal. That kid, just a few years later would be the first ever graduate of Fort Payne High School to play in the National Football League. It was such a massive moment for him that his friends, everyone made the six-hour drive to Cincinnati to be there for his first game. This man is known as Shooter McPherson. At least those of us in Cincinnati know him that way because he shoots that ball unbelievably. Two seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's gone from Fort Payne, which is amazing, amazing. Fort Payne, bringing yeah. the pain. Fort Payne <laughs> to become an indispensable member of the Cincinnati Bengals, known for his poise under pressure, his pinpoint accuracy. He has become not just shooter, but also money Mac. Today we're sitting down with this NFL star, Evan McPherson, and I am excited. Welcome, Evan McPherson, Shooter McPherson, Money Mac to the Aggressive Life. What an introduction. How about that? Uh, it is. How about that? Man, so thankful you're able to be with us today. That's really, yeah. really good stuff. So one of my favorite stories about you, tell me if this is true or not, Okay, was before the Bengals last year, for those of us who are not Cincinnati fans who don't live in Cincinnati, Cincinnati has a long, long history of futility in the playoffs. Like, how many years did the Bengals go without winning a playoff game? Was it like 30-something years? Yeah, it was a I long think. time. So last year, your team comes in, you win the first game, it's amazing, wow, 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 broke the back of that demon. And then right before we were going to the, I think it was trying to get to the championship game, it was in the championship Mm -hmm. game, we needed a field goal to get into the Super Bowl. And the story goes that you came off the bench, you told the players before you went out on the field, well, boys, looks like we're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that was before like a 50-yard kick, right? Yeah, it was actually in the Tennessee game. Okay. Uh, so it was to make it to the AFC Championship game. And how I explain it is just kind of, I kind of saw it as a challenge to myself. You know, if you're going to say something like that, you better go out and execute and uh, do what you said you were going to do. So a little casual conversation with our backup quarterback uh, beside the heater, just trying to stay warm, stay loose, um, knowing that our team was going to get me in position to uh, – hit the game winner and my job was just to go out there and hit it and send us to uh, the AFC championship game. So you intentionally said that to put more pressure on yourself. You could say that. And like I said, I think it was just more like of a challenge uh, to overcome. I like that. Well, sometimes we have guests on the the aggressive life that are just great to have because they've got stuff I can learn from and they're deep thinkers and stuff. And uh, then other times you got people on who just are aggressive. I mean, that's an aggressive move, especially when so many people in the NFL do not want to say something really confident and bold mm-hmm. because they don't want to use this fodder in the other locker room to fire them up for yeah. the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely comes with its with its pressure. And so, like I said, if, you, if I feel like if you're going to be confident in – kind of that way, you better be able to back it up and be able to execute in those times. Right. And I mean, I know there's going to be points where 
you know, maybe I say that and I don't come through, you know, and then what I take from that is how do I overcome that adversity and move on and get better from it? Hey, we're going to come back to that in a little yeah. bit, uh, but let's go back to the beginning. You started off as a soccer player. What was the transition like and yeah. why did you transition uh, from soccer to football? Yeah, uh, no, I mean, me and my brothers grew up loving soccer, and our ultimate goal was to be a professional soccer player. But that probably was quickly um, derailed by just realizing the level of talent it took to become a professional soccer player and the talent that I guess we had at the time. You know, we were decent, we were good. I think me and my older brother won state championships in soccer in high school. We found our love for kicking from my older brother. He went and tried out for the football team his freshman year and saw the kicker on the other end of the field just hitting field goals, and he's like, I can do that. We grew up playing soccer, kicking balls. Um, And so he just went over, tried it out, came home, told us about it, and kind of just went from there. You know, being a little brother, um, you always strive to do what your older sibling is doing and always compete against them and and do better than them, I feel like. And so that's what always drove me, and I feel like that's what drove my little brother as well. Uh, now that he's at, he's at Auburn, kicker. Wow. And, you know, he's probably striving to be better than I am. And I want him, you know, in the end to be considered the best McPherson brother because it just speaks a lot of my older brother that he was able to kind of pass things down to us. That's cool. You want your younger brother to exceed you. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I think that just shows, I guess, how close we are. I mean, we are competitive. I, I obviously want to beat him whenever we're just kicking out um, on the practice fields or anything like that. But there's a certain amount of pride that I have seeing him succeed in what he does. That's and very so I cool. always want him to, to do the best that he can and hopefully do better than, than I've been able to do. That, that's pretty rare. Where yeah. do you think you picked that up from? How do you have that as a character quality? I mean, I think it's just I have a level of respect for him. And, you know, I know that my job is to make him as good as possible. If he, you know, succeeds and does better than I do, I feel like that I've done a good job teaching him and growing him into um, kind of the athlete that he wants to be. I assume your older brother was that way with you? Yeah, no, he was super encouraging. Interesting. Encouraging to me. And my older brother set the high school state record for the longest field goal, um, which was 57 yards. Wow. And at the time, it was like a huge achievement, and it was something for me to strive to beat. And, you know, fortunately, I got— I got the chance to beat it, and I hit a 60-yarder um, my senior year. And uh, wow! so obviously at that point, that sets a goal for my little brother to break <laughs> it. And his senior year, I think it was the third-to-last game, he sure enough um, hit a 61-yard field goal. No kidding. And beat my record. And so I feel like it's just like this continuous line of just setting a barrier for the younger one to— to break it. So, did you watch the Super Bowl when uh, when Peyton Manning was playing for the Denver Broncos? Yeah. Do you remember that time where uh, Eli was watching up in the up in the booth and they had a yeah. camera on him and Peyton got a touchdown? It was obviously they were going to win. 
and Eli was pissed. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't remember that oh, specific he was, moment. He was obviously the juxtaposition. And as soon as it happened, and it was obviously going to win, he was, yeah. he was down, like, oh, no. Because, at least yeah. my reading of it, and everyone else's was, they've been in competition forever, and they were tied one-to-one, and then Eli realized, well, he's, he's beat me. For all times, he'll be able to talk yeah. trash on me. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a cute thing, but also a normal thing. And yeah, what's definitely. fascinating with you guys is that was not in the family. Where do you think that came from your older brother? Because, dude, that's not normal, you know. Yeah. Because there's always a level of competition that borders on unhealthy or is just outright unhealthy. We're very rarely rooting for someone to actually beat us. Yeah. So that's really cool that you broke the chain in your family. Your brother had to get that from somewhere, though, right? No, I definitely think you probably did. And I think um, we grew up kind of learning that we need to respect each other and help each other throughout life because brotherhood is such a special bond. And we, we definitely don't take it for granted. Um, we love each other a lot, and we always want to see each other succeed. And we probably learned it from our parents mm. just to, uh, to be kind to everybody and to root for everybody. You know, we, we don't ever wish anything bad on any other kickers, even if it's, you know, in Kansas City, you know. Uh, we obviously got beat by a game-winning field goal um, this past this past year. Um, sitting on the bench, I can't say that I was rooting against Harrison because that'd be a, a disservice to myself, to him, spiritually. I would say because we've never really rooted against, I guess, another kicker or rooted for a miss. You know, we always want everybody to succeed. And not fail because you hate seeing people fail. You know it's going to happen, but you hate to see it. So on a macro level, you obviously want to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, but definitely. on a micro level, while you're watching that, yeah, you're you're cheering for an individual because you identify with him as a place kicker and the pressure he's under. Yeah, definitely. I I totally understand what kind of pressure that Harrison was under in that moment. You know, if he misses that field goal, we go to overtime and we go down and win the game. I mean, he's probably just getting fed to the the wolves right. and just getting slaughtered on the on the internet. He's got eight months of hell to live. Exactly, you know, and, and you starts. don't you, you don't want to wish that on anybody. Wow, boy, what what could we do in our culture to have that be a more common character quality? You know, that's a great question. It's I, just like we're always yeah. at each other's throats, trying to find what's wrong with each other, trying to up somebody, and yeah. And constant competition with everybody around us. And what you're describing there, I can't imagine what our culture would look like if we were having that kind of attitude. Yeah, I think it would be pretty cool to see just that. Uh, obviously, I'm still a very competitive person. I want to win. Of course. Um, but I was not put in the position to hit the game-winning field goal, you know. I feel like if we're put in the position to be successful and uh, to execute in the time that we're asked upon— I hope Harrison's rooting for me to make it and not hoping that I miss and we go into overtime. And so I think it's just like if we have the opportunity, take advantage of it. But if the opportunity doesn't present itself um, and somebody else is blessed with it, then we got to do everything that we can to root for them and hope everything works out for them. You said earlier that you believe, came to believe you didn't have the skills to make it as a professional soccer player. Yeah. Like what kind of skills were you lacking? I would definitely say ball handling skills. So in Alabama, they have this program called ODP or Olympic Development Program is what it was called. And they had an A and a B team 
and you just go try out and a couple months later they'll call you and tell you which team you made. Um, so I went and tried out. Uh, they called me, made the B team, <laughs> and we went to a tournament where we played four games. And in those four games, I think the closest point margin that we came to beating anybody was like eight to one. Mm. We got beat like 10 to zero, 11 zero, and then probably like eight one. And at that point, I was like, like, dang. <laughs> I suck. Yeah, I was like, no, these are the B team. Uh, like for every other state, these are their B teams, and we're getting just smoked. This, there's some pretty good competition out there, and um, maybe I'm not up to par with it. And so I think around that time, I stopped playing travel soccer and then just focused on school soccer and school football. Interesting. Yeah. And if you took... I don't know. I don't. Even, I don't follow soccer well enough, and I, yeah. I know for all of our European listeners, they're pulling their hair out. <laughs> it's American football. No, it's soccer. It's America. We call it soccer over here. It so, is soccer. Yeah, yep. that's right. So for all of the, I don't even know who the stars in the MISL are. I'm not sure who they are. But if you plucked one of those guys out, you know, the the top guy, wherever it is, yeah. and you stuck him on a football field with someone holding a football. Yeah. How would he do leg strength-wise with that exercise? Yeah, I mean, I think you would – so I would say – I would bet a goalie could uh, could kick a football pretty far. Goalie? Yeah, because they do a goal kick, and shoot, they, they normally put that thing past midfield. So it's kind of the same motion too. So I think uh, a goalie would be pretty good. And they've – I mean, they've done videos on YouTube before where they just get soccer guys or – I remember Carly Lloyd – the Eagles had her out at training camp kicking field goals, and I think she hit like a 50-yarder. Uh. And so it's the same motion, and that's really where we got it from. Um, and so I think any soccer player probably could be, be really good at kicking if they took the time to train and um, prepare for it. So what is your training regimen like? And what's that regimen look like before yeah. the season versus during the season? Yeah, obviously, like, before the season is more, you could call it, like, bulking, getting stronger, and really focusing on preparing for the season and just making sure you're taking care of your body because you don't want to go into the season injured. So before the season, like I said, you're getting stronger. Um, like what is that, leg lifts? Is that yeah, squats? I mean, squats, is... squats. I mean. Go ahead, geek out on me. I'm curious. <laughs> no, so I'm not the biggest runner, but uh, my wife, she's a very big runner. We're actually, I'm signed up to run the half marathon uh, in, the, in the pig. Man. And the longest I've ever ran at one point was a 5K. So that would be interesting to run the, the half marathon pig. And so this offseason, I'm going to be a big runner. And once the weight room opens at the stadium, it closes down for a couple of weeks after the season. I'll just go on there and it's pretty much like squats. You get your lunges, sled pulls, pushes, um, but you still work the upper body too. You know, you got to look, you got to look the part if you're going to play the part. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, off season is more about getting stronger. And then um, once you get into season, it's all about maintaining and staying healthy. So the the weight lightens up and it's more, I'd say like range of motion stuff and um, more health driven exercises and just try, trying to make sure that your muscles are as strong as they can be 
for as long as they can be because your body breaks down. So you're really just trying to um, prevent any pulls or strains um, during the season. And what amount of reps do you do for your exercises? Uh, so in season, if on a regular day, if I'm squatting, it's only like sets of like three and then the last couple sets are two reps. Hmm. And what about off season? Eight to five, probably to finish. Interesting. Uh, you're, you're talking to guys over 50, which are, we're all about yeah. higher reps. You oh, know, yeah. that's like uh, doctors always like, Can you do an high rep? So I don't know, what is high rep? Like light, 40? Yeah, lightweight, high reps. Well, light for me because I'm a weenie boy. I don't wanna, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> how much I'm lifting, especially we're going to talk about legs. The last thing I'm going to do is ask you how much put in the, put in the bar when you do your legs because you're going to have to ask me, and I'm not going public with that. That's not going to happen. But I don't, I don't put that much on the, on the bar, honestly. Uh, a lot of my kicking is fast twitch muscles. I don't have the strongest leg. During the season, I don't get above 245 on the squat rack. And so, Such a weenie boy. Yep, definitely. Like I said, it's a lot of more like fast twitch muscles. If I put 245 pounds on my back for squats, all my discs would, would smash together. I have to go get fusion surgery immediately. I don't know. I think you could do uh, oh, you're you're too kind. So fast twitch. This, this is interesting. So I hadn't yeah. thought about that. I, I'm thinking leg strength, power. Yeah. yeah. But I guess you're right. It's the speed that your leg goes to yeah. the ball that's the key thing. Exactly. A lot of people correlate golf and kicking, and you kind of look at your leg like a golf club. And how do you hit a golf club or a golf ball far? You know, it's not all about how strong you are upper body or lower body it's about how fast you can move the club and so if you think about it how far you kick the ball is based on how fast you can move your leg and uh, the faster the ball goes obviously the farther it goes so when you do these exercises are you thinking speed or you're thinking thinking speed thinking speed more speed than power I, I think that's more of an in-season thing. Uh, off-season, you could probably could mess around with more heavier stuff to you know strengthen your legs a little more. But for I feel like for specialists, it's more speed-based training than strength. So what do you do for speed of your leg in the off-season? Yeah, I mean, it's like lightweight squats, but you're exploding up. Uh, you got like box jumps and a, a bunch of single-leg workouts too like single leg step-ups or squats, kind of something like that. So the record for the longest field goal, at least for the longest time, was Dempsey. Yeah. 64 yards with half a foot. You know, had that club <laughs> foot stuck in half. And he would, yep. Do you think that gave him an advantage to actually kick that straight on style with that foot chopped off the way it was? Yeah. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. It's, Still very impressive. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like Totally. To have half a foot and to kick a football that far is very impressive. Now, if he had a steel plate, you know, put in uh, the, the toe of the shoe, that's a conversation for, for another time. But Is that the rumors? He had a steel plate in there? That's what some people said. So they're like, did his does his record actually count? But, like, I would 100% count his record because, I mean, that's impressive no matter who you are. Well, so it's been broken since then, right? Yeah, it was broken um, not this past season, like the one we're in, but the the previous season, I think the 2021 season. What's the record now and who owns it? It is 66 yards, uh, I think, right? 
fact check. Don't I'm ask pretty me. sure it's, it's your job. Fact you check right now. Preaching on Google. No, it is. It's, yeah, dirt. Come on, make yourself useful. I'm doing all the work over here. What are you doing? It is 66 yards by Justin Tucker. Oh, there it is. Is that right, Dirt? Can That's you right. 66 yards, Justin Tucker. Justin's obviously a guy that I look up to. Same thing. I feel like as as my brothers. That's a barrier that now everybody wants to break. So right. Do you have that as a stated goal to get the longest yeah. field goal? I think every kicker in history, that's probably one of the records that they want the most. To have your name on the longest field goal in NFL history, that would be pretty cool. I mean, I'm watching your kicks, dude. I'm watching your kicks. You're hitting a 50-yard kick into the net. It seems to be 66 yards. It's just a matter of time until you're in the right situation, right? Yeah, it, it definitely has to be the right situation to try it. Obviously, because if you miss... Let's say like a 67-yard field goal, you give the other team the ball on the opposite 40, what is it, three? Yeah. And so if you're going to try one from there, it's definitely got to be at the end of half or the end of the game <laughs> because you don't want to give the, the other team the ball on, on their side of the field. I didn't think about that. I thought about just the pressure of can I hit this long of a field goal. But, yeah, you're right. It really puts your team at disadvantage. Yeah, but it is funny. The longer field goals um, – are less pressure packed, I feel like, than the shorter ones. Well, you have to tell Coach Taylor to uh, at the end of some half just have Joe Burrow go back just take a knee. and take a knee, <laughs> take a knee at the forty-three yard line, right. wherever it is. Let's just take a shot at it. Why not? <laughs> oh my gosh! Today's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. It's a product I use every day. I started taking AG One because. I don't watch my diet too closely, but I know that I'm getting all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients I can, as well as hydrating with 12 ounces of water right off the bat at the beginning of the day. One scoop of AG1 has got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, and it doesn't taste like it. It actually tastes great. AG1 is a micro habit with big benefits. For less than $3 a day, you can take care of your health and invest in your future. It's recommended by professional athletes, health experts, and me. <laughs> to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash aggressive life. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash aggressive life to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So go get you some and let's get back to the show. So you're, you're such a fascinating story, not just because I've never had a, a deep discussion with a place kicker, which is, it's, it's got to be the most pressuresome job in the NFL. I mean, certainly the quarterback has more riding on their performance yeah. in terms of number of plays, but they don't have the same scrutiny in terms of yeah. the last play, the whole season's on the line. I mean, you guys have that all the time, you know? Yeah. You not only do you have that going on you, but you also came into a city that's had a loser mindset since I've been here. I've been in Cincinnati for ni since 1995. We've had a losing mindset since 1995. And I don't mean, by the way, just the Bengals. Yeah. I mean, everywhere in the city, we make fun of ourselves. We say things like uh, Mark Twain said, when the end of the world comes, 
he wants to be in Cincinnati because everything in Cincinnati happens 20 years later than everything else, everyplace else. <laughs> you know, you had for much of the last 26 years, P&G stock is in a free fall, which is the dominant uh, the dominant place inside of our com- in our in our city. We, yeah. we have Toyota had a headquarters here. They leave Cincinnatians. We've got a lot of reasons to feel like we're less than. And then, of course, the football team yeah. over the last twenty six years has been awful, just awful. It makes us angry, really, really, really angry. Uh, I don't want to go into that because it's a new day. Cincinnati Bengals the last two years have been totally night and day difference. Yeah. You came in two years ago, though. You missed all that other stuff, all that toxicity around loserliness, yeah. and you dropped in. You're part of the crew that turned it around. Did you feel that the loserliness in the culture when you came to the city? Did you, you know, was that, yeah. or you just is that just news that people tell you about? Did you feel it when you came into the no, city? I think it's probably news that we just hear about. Um, it's just, it's definitely not something that I experienced. Um, I've experienced nothing but love and joy from the community for our for the football team. There you go. You know, I'm kind of happy that I missed all those years <laughs> yeah. because, like you said, it. I was on a um, 0 and 8 team in high school, and it was pretty miserable. Nobody really wants to be there, and everybody wants to just move on to the next season. And just to be a part of a winning team is a lot of fun. And the city, um, I feel like, has come alive really because of it. And it's honestly been a fun city to live in for the past couple of years. Completely has. Yeah, you've brought a level of joy to us that's been really remarkable. Last year. When the Bengals won their first playoff game, yeah, and I still had a bad attitude. People would say like, "Oh, this is great, this is great." When I was my bad attitude, I would say, "You do realize that in cities like Pittsburgh, it's like this every year. Yeah, <laughs> we have like three weeks of tension and all that stuff, and yeah. and it's it's awesome, it's awesome. But it's, I had a little bitterness, like I wish I had a little more of this the last twenty six years I've yeah. lived here, you know. So For sure. it is amazing. <laughs> What is I, I'm really over? It. I'm not going back to the old time. It's a new day. I have pro Bengals all the way. My heart is with your team and you. It's phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. Let's 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 no more of the past. But I am fascinated about football, not because I'm ever going to play another football game. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that since 1983. I'm never going to do yeah. another one. Maybe flag football, but. Um, I am fascinated culturally and organizationally. I think there's some things in the sports world that relate to our normal Joe lives, mm-hmm. even if we're not holding a ball in our hands yeah. and how you guys have become a winning organization, yeah. I think is worthy of examination. What do you think it is? What's yeah. why, why it's, it's can't be just as simple as we have a good quarterback now, or is it yeah. what's, what's, what's going on? I mean, that's definitely a big part of it. Just having good players in the, in the locker room. But I think too, this is the closest team maybe besides the soccer team I was on in high school, this is the closest team that I've ever been a part of. Emotionally close. Emotionally, yeah. Mm. And it's pretty special to see. Um, Whenever you have a bunch of grown men um, just excited to play for each other and rooting for each other and just having each other's back, I think there's a lot of good that can happen. And I think we've got a great connection in the locker room with the coaches. I feel like we've got the right people in the building to have a winning formula. And I think it just all starts with obviously being a close-knit group and obviously having really good players too helps. What do you think is done 
by the coaches or by key people in the locker room to make it an emotionally tight unit? Yeah, I think it's um, really relying on team captains and the locker room to make some some important decisions. Just giving the players a certain amount of control with the with the team is big time, and it helps uh, the players trust the coaches and and like them that much more. Like what? What kind of control uh, or do they have, or could captains make? Let's say you know we got the the bubble, the indoor uh, this past year. And we're not used to practicing in it. And so we have walkthroughs, let's say, in the morning and then practice in the afternoon. Well, since the bubble's a little far away, we had to bus to it. And so some people saw it as an inconvenience to bus all the way to the bubble and bus all the way back. And just time was taken away from lunch and rest before practice. And so the, the coaches give us the option to do the, in, uh, do the walkthrough in the stadium or do it in the the indoor, and so they just kind of mm-hmm. lean on us to really to decide what what do we want to do, what makes us comfortable, and how can we take advantage of the time that we get during the day. Um, Interesting, yeah, and like meetings and stuff. If uh, certain people don't like the schedule, uh, they'll approach uh, Zach about it and just say, "Hey, um, we don't really like how this is running." Can we try something else? And Zach is always uh, very open to changing things in ways you know to help the players. Do you refer to him? I assume you refer to him as Zach as yeah. opposed to Coach Taylor. Correct. Well, you, you can refer to him as kind of whatever, and that's really been something cool that I've realized in the NFL is it's really like a, a man-to-man interaction, whereas to college it's more of like a, a coach to a player. Yeah. Um, but in the NFL, I feel like we're all seen as equals. Nobody's bigger than some like than anybody, and it's it's been something I've had to get used to by calling a coach by his first name. But some coaches get offended by uh, being called Coach Taylor. Interesting, even though they're identifying with the greatest television show of all time. <laughs> Certainly, you've seen that the Coach Taylor on. Uh, I can't remember the name. What's oh, the name? No. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Have you watched Friday Night Lights? I have not. Oh, my gosh! You haven't watched Friday Night Lights? <laughs> no. Oh, my word. Are you ready to have a heartwarming adventure about how amazing football is and cry with your wife every night? I'd say I am. <laughs> so I need to watch Friday oh, Night Lights. Dude, dude. I've seen, I've seen it twice. It's, okay. it's this high school football team yeah. that's going through the difficulties of life together. Yeah. And, oh, gosh, it is so – it's so heartwarming. It's amazing. Okay. I find that interesting about the the way that you interact with a coach. One of my pet peeves in my industry, which is the church industry, which is my day job, is it really bothers me when someone calls me Pastor Brian. Yeah. And actually what even bothers me more – is when pastors want to be referred to as pastor. But I don't I don't come up to you and say, Hey, salesman, salesperson Jenny. Yeah. I don't and in my industry as well, Jesus is really, really, really clear. He says, Don't call anybody rabbi or teacher. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is, or father, what he's saying is this whole thing of of having titles that get you more esteem. Yeah. 
He said, don't even call me Savior Jesus. You know, yeah. so I'm, I'm now putting words in his mouth. But it's that, it's that when we have the peer-to-peer, we can have a greater connection with community. And I had no idea that was going on in your locker room. Yeah. That's great. And that probably is, um, like you said, it, it probably helps us be more close-knit. Having that approachable um, persona, I feel like, because— if you feel like a coach isn't approachable, there's going to be that level of distrust and you're not going to feel comfortable in, in that environment. So one thing with the winning culture is emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Another thing with winning culture is low barriers to speak with leadership. That's what I'm hearing right there. Um, what else? What else are you seeing in your culture? Confidence in what we're doing. Uh, I think that's a, that's a big thing too. Is confidence in yourself, um, in the person next to you, and just knowing that they're going to do uh, their job, so you don't have to worry about theirs. You, all you got to do is worry about your job. Um, I think confidence is big. Trust. Um, I was just going to say that we say that a lot around here. Trust over suspicion. Yeah. When you don't know what's happening in other department, it's easy to go like, oh, they're not. What are they doing over there? Yeah. Instead of trusting that they're yeah. doing okay or when a decision comes down that you don't have all of the information for instead of saying, well, they never considered this. They never considered that. Well, maybe trust that they did and they have information <laughs> you don't have and yeah. assume it's a good decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think trust is big in almost every aspect of life, You know, in your marriage, in your work life. Um, really in everything you do, uh, trust is huge. Yeah. Well, it is, it's just impressive, man. It's impressive what you guys have done and it's impressive too. It's just comforting when you come out on the field, it's comforting like, Oh yeah, this is going to be really good. Let's get back to that thing you said earlier. You said boldness. You actually think there's a benefit of being bold that I'm mm-hmm. going to make this. Like, tell yeah. us about the mental process of it's a yeah. big deal. I got to perform. What goes through your mind? What's your regimen? All yeah. that stuff. Because you've never lost. You've never missed. You've, you missed a couple of kicks this last year, <laughs> yeah. early in the year, early in the year. Yeah. But you've, as far as I can remember, I've seen about every Bengal game the last two years. You've never missed that I, I can remember a key kick and every time you're in a key situation, mm-hmm. you deliver every time. Yeah, I think uh, I could definitely point you back to a couple. Uh, obviously, last year in Green Bay <laughs> was a— um, Okay, I don't remember that one. Well, I'm glad. We don't have to bring it up. <laughs> we shouldn't have had you on here. Dirt, why don't we bring Evan McPherson? <laughs> I don't know if we're going to have Loser Boy on here. He's missing key kicks. And then uh, <laughs> a lot of people remember— the uh, the first game of the season this year was against Pittsburgh and I I missed a game winner. Oh, you did. Um, okay. against Pittsburgh, but like I said, those kicks are the ones you learn from the most. That's they, interesting. You can name you named the two misses you've had in two seasons of key situations. Yeah, and you probably can't name all the ones you've had that were that went well. Yeah, yeah I, I mean those definitely stick with you the most. And like I said, they you learn from them the most. Um, just how to handle the adversity of you know, not making the kick. Uh, so what are you going to do next time? You know, what, what are you going to do to learn from it and build from it and get better? But yeah, my process of a field goal is obviously it's the same. I try to make it the same every time. You know, we, we run out uh, onto the field and we know the certain situations like of the wind, weather, um, and obviously how far the kick is. And I'll just kind of have a word with the holder 
just to keep everything loose and relaxed. Like, what do you say to him? I was like, all right, let's let's poke this one through. You know, and that's just kind of something just to keep it loose um, and relax out there on the field, you know, in that tense moment. And then from there, you go through your routine of, of steps. You, you take three steps back. You look up, look up at the uprights, and you pick out a point in the stadium uh, to aim at. You're not aiming at the uprights. Oh, interesting. Uh, kicker's normally aiming at a point beyond the uprights. Aim small, miss small. You got it. And then from there, uh, you take two steps over to the side, and then every kicker's different. I take a another look up at my target before I look down at the holder and tell them I'm ready. Uh, some kickers won't look back at the target. They'll just kind of go for it. And from there, you just take a deep breath, exhale, let it all out, and just kind of go. And I think, um, you know, Justin Tucker, as we mentioned earlier, he, he said it probably the best, that we're pretty much all like system kickers. We're like, honestly, robots whenever it comes to kicking a football in a game where all of our work and preparation that we put into the moment, you know, we just kind of let our bodies react and don't think of anything while we're out there. We just kind of black out and react to our environments. Well, that also probably is why you missed those two kicks. I'm not probably, if I'm not mistaken, you had a brand new, brand new uh, snapper, snapper, long snapper yeah. and the rhythm was off. Yeah, I mean, it definitely um, was off the, a little bit. In the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, it was off a little bit. It was off a lot of bit. Come on, give yourself no, some credit. I, I watched I, you. <laughs> the ball was down on the ground whenever I uh, went to kick it, so I can't okay. put any blame on anybody. But, uh, yeah, a big thing for me, um, and I feel like the biggest reason why I miss um, is overthinking it hmm. a good bit yeah. of time. Fascinating. And that's my downfall, I feel like, to my game is just overthinking. Going out there and I have too much on my brain. Like, let's say if I have a streak going, I'll – think of the streak of you know field goals that I've made in a row and that's kind of like the downfall or if it's a PAT I've explained to our holder now uh, we no longer call it a PAT we call it a 33 yard field goal because in a normal course of a game a make percentage of a 33 yard field goal is probably somewhere in the high 80s high 90 or like low 90s you know those kicks are not going to be missed often but what we've seen with PATs getting moved back is that kickers are obviously starting to miss them more often right. because they're overthinking it. And I feel like they're thinking of it as a long extra point where I feel like you should think of it as a short field goal because, like I said, in a normal course of a game, chances are you're going to make a 33-yard field goal. There's going to be a very good chance that that's going to happen. So we've done so many reps that – we're going to go out there and our body's going to do almost the exact same thing every time. So what can we do to just kind of flush our brain and make it as easy as possible? What do you think when you're coming out in the field, are you like giving yourself positive self-talk or you just, as you said, thinking like a robot, here's my mechanics. For me, it's always, you know, positive talk before I go out into the field. Um, I'm always just kind of like, Asking the Lord, like, just take all negative thoughts out of my brain. You know, I don't want any negative thoughts in my brain uh, while I'm out on the field performing. Proverbs says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So you're practicing that. Correct. You just mentioned, you said, I, I, I talk to the Lord before I go out. Mm-hmm. What is your, what, what does your faith, 
how does that impact? Yeah. I don't know. Like you just mentioned one right there. You're you're talking to God. You're not just talking to yourself. You're actually talking to God as well. It's where your faith's yeah. informing. Are there other ways that your your walk with Christ is informing what you're doing or how you're thinking throughout your job? Yeah. So the way I think about it is just kind of like the um, Carolina Panthers kicker. I think I missed an extra point that game or something. I maybe missed an extra point or a field goal. And after the game, we came up and and talked. And he was like, you know, it's real freeing to just go out there and have fun because what happens in the game has already been scripted by the Lord. You know, our whole lives are planned out by God. And it's just real freeing whenever you understand that just to go out there and just have fun with it, because whatever happens is going to happen. You can't really, sure, you can do your best to, um, I don't know, affect and what's going to go on in the game, but you're going to go out there and obviously you're going to do your best to perform. Uh, Are you saying you believe that God's determined before you kick whether or not you're going to make the field goal or not? Yeah. And that's what, um, the Carolina Panthers, his name's Eddie Pinheiro. He went to Florida, and the game before he played us, um, he missed, I think, an extra point and then a game-winning extra point, and then in overtime missed a field goal to win the game as well. And I know that was a super hard time for him. And just for him to come up and be like, hey, everything's planned. You know, everything happens for a reason, and that he was going to learn from it and move on and come back better than ever. And I think he finished the year with only missing like three field goals and had probably the year of his life. And it really put it into perspective. Like, um, I'm going to go out there and do the best that I can for my team, for my city, and for myself. But whatever happens, happens. You know, I'm going to learn yeah. from it either way. Yeah, I think that's healthy. I, I don't know that I'd. I don't. I don't think it's very healthy though to say God's already determined whether or not this ball goes to the right. Yeah, I mean he's gonna he's gonna redeem anything. Yep. He's gonna use anything. Yep. But we're still free agents with responsibility and ability. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, you you kind of take take with it what you want, I guess. But he's obviously a great kicker. He is a so great to yep. the point we're saying. That's that's a mindset he's choosing. I'm 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 nitpicking it apart on yeah. a theological level. Yep. But I hear what you're saying. Like he's figuring out a way in his mind yep. <laughs> to take stress away from him. Correct. Yeah. So that he exceeds. That's yep. that's really cool. Yeah, and that's just obviously his way of dealing yeah. with it. And so I think um playing football, you know, at the highest level, I think what a lot of guys lose is having fun with the game. And that's where they put too much pressure on themselves. And you know you hear a lot of people say, like, you're playing the game that you grew up loving. And a lot of people lose that love, I feel like, and put too much pressure. And so I really try to go out there and just have as much fun as possible. Yeah. Do you feel that playing on the highest level stimulates your faith or strangles your faith? It probably is a little bit of both. Uh, I think um, you definitely have those people, whether it's in the locker room or um, on the Internet, that don't believe what you believe and that are going to challenge your faith. And you really got to lean on those people um, that are with you in those hard times and those challenging times because obviously not everybody uh, believes in God and yeah. believes exactly what I believe. And so I would also think, ahead. though, that you could say, you could come to conclusions of, I can't believe I have this opportunity. Yeah. This is amazing. God has been so good and gracious to me. Yeah. And then the same person could have the same opportunity and they could say, 
I'm really good. This is so good. I, I am so good. And, and you can just kind of forget God. Your pride elevates yeah. you. I yeah. can see it going either way. It sounds like you're, the fir- you're in the first. It's yeah. helping your faith. I would definitely say I'm in the first. <laughs> I, I like to um, you know, give all the glory to God, and that's something that I have always tried to make sure I do um, you know, in the high moments. And, I mean, even in the lows, you know, they're going to happen. But what are you going to do to— Take advantage of those moments. Shooter McPherson, Money Mac, are you ready for the lightning round? The lightning round is when... Are you ready? ready? I'm ready. uh, I think I'm ready. (laughs) I I snap you the ball in your vernacular. I snap you the ball, and you got to punch it through the uprights. No big meandering down the sidelines. Just bam, bam, bam questions. Can you take it? I can take it. Here we go. Thing you most admire about your coach, Zach Taylor? Uh, His character. Most important lesson you've learned playing football? Have fun with it. Describe the Bengals locker room in one word. Family. This is good. See, you're, you're, you are an athlete because I'm snapping the ball. You're hitting them. I can't tell you how many people I cannot do this exercise. This is very good. Bengals teammate you're closest to? Kevin Huber. And why? You could take a few more than three set three words on this three one. Three words? Yeah. Okay. Just because coming in, Kevin was born and raised here in Cincinnati. Uh, he went to UC to play football and then was drafted by the Bengals. So he's been here his whole life. And he was the guy, but whenever I got to Cincinnati, he kind of opened a lot of doors for me. Oh. Um, we bond on the golf course. He's a big golfer. I'm a big golfer. And so he would just invite me out. Um and we golfed together. He introduced me to our, to my financial advisors. Um, he's introduced me to a lot of cool people in Cincinnati. And so that's probably why, just because he's done a lot for me since I've been here. That's great. Awesome. Reason you took up golf? Uh, I, I took it up as a stress relief activity for during the football season in college. But then I realized the more and more I play golf, it's a stress, what did you say, like a stress adder to my life. Stress adder to your life. Like it adds stress to my life. Golf does. But it's a good stress. It's a great, well, yeah, to an extent, because golf is super frustrating if you get invested. Right. But they say, like, you need to have something besides football just to take your mind off of it. And golf was that thing in college for me. I started taking up golf again this this last summer. I, I used to play a lot like decades ago, and I got away from it for a variety of reasons, and I started picking it up this last year again. And I'm seeing the value of it again. It's, it sounds, if you don't golf, or if you do golf, of course, we all know it's stupid. <laughs> You're hitting a ball down grass to get into a hole. I mean, yeah. it, it, for what point? Yeah, but that's kind of the point of hobbies and pastimes. Yeah, is it gets your mind off of it, and I'm, I'm really appreciating, the problem solving aspect of it. Yeah, and just the aspect of hanging out with buddies. And yeah, you're out there for four hours, probably sharing some pretty good stories, and I think uh, just the time out on the golf course. It, they say that there's never a bad day on the golf course, and I believe it. I don't think I've had one. Well, we haven't had many talks then because I've had one. <laughs> no matter if you're shooting 150 or, or 72, I feel like you're having a good time. 
Well, I gotta, I gotta believe if it's all about leg speed as a kicker, it's about club speed as a golfer. You must crush the ball. I can hit it far, but maybe not know uh, where it's going. Yeah, I'm working on that. A lot of us can relate to that. Yeah, brother, is there anything you want to talk about that I haven't asked you about? I think I'm good. I don't know. This is great. What about you? You got anything? No, man. This is great. I, you, you, you gave me a lot of insights. I'm gonna have to think about here. Um, yeah, in fact, I'll just give my final call. Hey, hey, hey everybody, it's called The Aggressive Life. This is not called The Interesting interesting Idea Life. It's called The Aggressive Life. You've given us, Evan, a real, a real primer on how to have the right attitude. I'm just challenged by th- rethinking my routines. And I, all of us who listen to this, what, what is it going to do different? That's what aggressive is. Do something different. Maybe you're going to trust people you work with. Maybe you're going to respect the people that are in your community and build that cohesiveness that Evan talked about. Maybe you're going to think about your routine. I know I have a routine every time before I preach. It's the same thing I do over and over, and I've done it for decades, over and over, and it's the same thing. Maybe you've never thought about routines. What's your routine when you come home to see your spouse? What's your routine the first time you go on a date? What's your routine when you have a family dinner, whatever it is, have a winner's attitude, figure out your routines, take something, take something from today and do something today with your life. That's the aggressive life. Evan, if anyone wants to um, follow up with you or see what's going on in your life, Instagram accounts, websites, just pump yourself. We'd love to follow up. Yeah. No, I mean, all my stuff's just pretty much my name. Just have McPherson. I'm really lackluster on the post, but, you know, I could be better. But, uh, yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter or really anything, just have McPherson. All right. Fantastic. Man, thanks for coming in today. It was really, really great. I'm personally challenged. Really, really helped. And for everybody else, we'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram at Brian Tome. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.